Welcome back to the most inconsistent podcast in the history of podcasts. (laughs) But for real, y'all, like I feel we are on the level where you know me. Like you know me and if you know, you know my intent is every week. My heart is every week. My life just drops stuff in my lap and goes, no, boo-boo, not this week. Um, and if I was the planner ahead that I would dream of being one day, I'd just be able to upload these episodes like no sweat done. I, I recorded this, but I feel the need to share in the moment because if I record a podcast and then something comes up that I feel really is relevant in that moment, I need to be able to share it right away. And that's just my personality. And I have learned to just not make excuses for that. Mm, but <clears throat> hold on. Someone said I should start um, the podcast episodes. You know how I always talk about, okay, you know I always, always talk about starting these episodes with music. Like I'm going to have this cool intro and do this whole thing one day. And someone was like, you know what you just need to do? Shake some ice so we all know you're drinking Coke or iced coffee. <laughs> and um, if you couldn't tell from the rate at which I speaketh, I've had both today. Um, but you know what? I have had a lovely intake of water that I'm sure my body's appreciative of. But if you are new here, welcome to After Hours with Amanda, the podcast that's about parenting and for parents, but literally for any other human being who finds it helpful and not just about parenting, but since I am one, we reference it. (laughs) Um, What is going on? We are so close to summer. Are y'all out of school? Are your children out of school? Where are we at with that? Huh? Mm. Okay. Here's the thing. I, so many things I want to chat about. but what I really want to talk about now is shorts, shorts for the summer. Now, if you are a gentleman, you may not feel the pain or angst that comes with short shopping season. Say that three times fast, short shopping season. Um, I am feeling the just butt munching, camel toe wearing, short seasonal, just come on Can someone please tell me where this, I've tried on now 12 pairs. I'm I'm doing my research. I told y'all on Instagram, I have a pair of Levi's coming. You guys gave me a lot of hope. I'm really hoping this is not like unfounded, but you gave me a lot of hope for the Levi's. Okay. So I am fingers crossed on this one, but I have now returned 12 pairs of shorts. And, um, I think only three of them were the same size since every single solitary website likes to play pick the size. Honestly, buying shorts right now feels like paying my taxes. We know your real size, but we're not going to tell you. Um, you you just guess. And then if it doesn't work out, return them. Um, or buy three all different sizes and have to then return those three. I just, I cannot. I cannot. So pray for me, okay? <laughs> because we have church camp coming up. And one of my favorite things, absolute favorite, downright, just two good to be true things that I love to do is volunteer because you can act a fool is what I would describe it as since when you're an adult, you're supposed to be like really cool and just super just with it. You get to act a fool all week. I am loud. I am jumping. I'm excited. I am here for it at church camp and I am already prepared, but I want to be wearing shorts. Now, I did learn last year, chafing is real in summer heat. Athletic shorts are probably going to be my friend there. Um, But who knows? Okay. So that's where we're at with that. That's the main reason I'm shopping for shorts. I want to, excuse me. Oh my gosh. Where are our manners? Oh my gosh. Somebody, oh, my mother, she's rolling over in her grave. But here's the thing. Um, I just want a pair of shorts. I feel cute in. 
Okay, like I want to feel good and I want it in a good wash and I want to be able to wear them and just feel like I'm not losing circulation to my thigh or I could literally have someone stick two hands down the back of it. You know what I'm talking about, okay? So um, I- I'm that's where I'm at with the shorts. So m- moving on from that, what are we going to talk about? Oh, gosh. Okay, here's what we're talking about today. Ego. Um, my own. Oh my gosh, y'all, can I just tell you, and I've shared this story before, one of my, what I would consider, I don't like to say parenting fails because I feel like that's unfair to me as a person because I don't know any better. I'm learning. Okay. I really don't know any better. Um, one of my biggest parent learnings was when London transferred back to a school we had been at that tends to have a little, their whole child learning, which I love, but their academia is a tad bit, it's just, it's just a little bit rigorous, not rigorous. I don't like using that word. It's just, it is a little up there sometimes with certain things, right? As I honestly, as is all academia at this point, right? But they are also whole child focused. And that is important for me. Great. Focus on academics, but I also need to know where are they in every area? How is social emotional? How are we looking on the learning? How are they responding? What type of learning they are? Uh, What type of learner they are when they're learning? So I, I do appreciate our school. And when we transferred back there after some, like, I'm pregnant with third child, don't know what to do, overwhelmed, can't commute, have to find a Montessori, like literally two minutes from my house to function, um, we went back. And I put London back into first grade, knowing that most likely she wasn't as prepared as she needed to be, but it felt as though it would reflect on me if she went in to kinder. Now, she goes halfway through the year. And I've told this story a million times before. She goes halfway through the year and she's upset about going to school. In first grade, y'all, I remember first grade. I loved it. I loved it. I never cried going to school. And so I sit down with her teachers and they just let me know that she's having a hard time. She's, and, and this is, speaks to just who she was. She was younger at the time to be in first grade. She was um, having trouble with sight words and reading and it wasn't coming to her. And I want to say this, I want to preface this. Everything is developmental and everything is different for every child. But for London, I could just tell that she was unhappy. And so they said, you know, we really recommend you letting her spend the second half of the school year in in, um, kindergarten. Now, I want you to imagine I made this decision for her, right? I'm responsible. I made this decision for her. I put her into a class with kids she knew. Um, and honestly, if I'm if I'm completely honest, my ego said, I know these parents and I'm more comfortable because I'm familiar with them and making new friends is actually super difficult for me. We'll get into that at another time. But I am just not really good at doing that. And so this was super comfortable for me. So I took the road that was most comfortable for me. And I didn't really look at what the school had recommended because they had recommended that we start in the kindergarten, that we just kick off the year there. And we start there because it would be more um, cohesive, conducive, everything for her learning, right? And for her as a student. And because I chose this alternate route, right, which was more comfortable for me and made me feel better as a parent, um, she was suffering like on a level where a kid that age shouldn't be that upset about going to school. And so I had to chat with her. And because this was not on her at all, I said, hey, baby, mom did not choose the right paperwork when I signed you up this year. This is on me. 
you are incredible and you are smart, but I did not set you up with tools that you needed. I didn't give you the tools for your toolbox this time, and that's on me. So we get to go hang out with this teacher for the rest of the year, and she is so excited because she didn't think she was going to get to spend time with you. But they have agreed that because I missed it and I missed those tools, um, we can still have access to them. So this is what we're going to do. I will tell you, the first time I told her, she just looked at me and was like, how could you forget? And I was like, I'm, I'm so sorry. And I, and I, her confidence in herself and who she was, was something I did not want affected in that moment based off of my comfortable decision. Okay. Which was basically focused on my ego. And here's the thing when you get into what is kind of this realm of parenting, people don't want to say that it's focused on our ego and what's most comfortable sometimes, right? But I'm here to tell you for me personally, not speaking for all of us, hold on, let's take a drink of Coke because I'm actually nervous to say this, okay? Mm. All right, we're carbonated up, okay? A lot of what happens in parenting is reflective off of our own trauma that we've suffered And the ego and wounds that we carry around that, right? Because how we were raised, right? Or at least how I was raised. Let's just, let's, let's cut the we. Let's go with I, how I was raised. I thought my parents always knew what they were doing. I don't ever remember them saying, I have no idea what I'm doing, Amanda, or, oh, that was a mistake. And that's not to say that my parents weren't incredible human beings and didn't do the absolute very best because they did the best with the tools that they were given. So like, I'm not, that's not even on them. Okay. But I don't ever remember them telling me they didn't know what they were doing or apologizing like, oh, hey, this was an error on my part. So when I got into parenting, when I got into parenting, (laughs) like it's a career, (laughs) it just sounds silly. When I became a parent, okay, I just assumed what everyone does. Well, I'm the parent. I'm in charge. I make the decisions. Um, I have all the answers. Like I know more than you do. And that's how the basis starts off. Now let's just like, let's dive into that. Okay. Our relationship with our tiny humans starts off with us being superior. Okay. Um, in that relationship, we've been around longer. Um, we've experienced things that they haven't experienced. Hello. They just came out of the womb. You know, we just pushed, pushed them out. Okay. They came out the hoo-ha or however they came into your life, adoption, you know, whatever, we are older. Okay. Um, we are the ones who have had experience. So you don't even realize you are subconsciously being given this very ego driven mindset. Have you ever thought about that? And here's the thing. Whenever I share stuff on the way that I treat the tiny people in my life, I get a lot of like, well, we can tell you're not the parent in the relationship or, um, <laughs> your kids must not listen at all. And here's the thing with that. That is based off of this idea driven by our ego saying you're the one in control because you're in charge, right? You have this tiny person, you name them, you take care of them. And what that does when it's so ego driven is that it sits in this place of being reflective on us. So. Again, it focuses around our ego, but we don't even realize, we don't even consciously realize that that is the space, or at least for me, that was the space I was operating in, especially in this moment with London. In this moment with London, I was operating in what was comfortable, what would be easiest for me. um, And I didn't even take 
I didn't even, I thought, oh, school doesn't know what they're talking about. Like, I'm just going to do this because this is what's going to be easiest. And I know, and it, it wasn't even like, I can't even be like all cool about it and be like, no, I was doing what was best for my child. No, no, Amanda, you were doing what was easiest. And now do I fault myself for that? No. Um, Cause I'm learning and I apologize to London and she forgave me and we've moved on. And let me tell you, she is a queen at her school. She gets stuff done. She is a reader. She enjoys going to school. Now, let me tell you what, she also does not like schoolwork. Okay. She is the, she is like, I don't want to do homework. This is so pointless. Why do we have five days at school and only two days off? Isn't that like them training us to just become grownups? And I'm like, yes, girl, it is a conspiracy. <laughs> They send you to school from eight to three. So you're predestined and determined and trained and mindset focused that this is how it works. Like legitimately, <laughs> I can't even like falter. She's not wrong. Okay. She is not wrong. What is it? I love the saying. It's like all, all facts, no printer. <laughs> I love it. And no cap. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm little, I'm just kidding. Um, anyways, so, um, when we sit in that place, it's really hard for us to move on. And so here I am, right? And I'm coming with another situation with a tiny human and Paige is a different learner. And I call my girlfriend up today and I'm like, yo, I know we're supposed to be doing kinder next year. I just don't know if it's going to be a fit for Paige. I don't know if she might have more confidence and her age wouldn't be um, my main concern in this because of my learnings. And she's, she turns her age is like closer to the summer. It's like in spring, it's not a fall birthday, right? So that all falls into whatever you want to call it. But um, I call her up. I'm like, dude, dude, I don't know. I'm, feel, I'm feeling torn. And she's like, okay, Amanda, you, you've been through this before though. What's your gut telling you? I tell her what my gut's telling me. And she goes, you've already done this before though. Okay. And you remember what happened when you made this decision and you made it about you. And this is why she's my best friend. You need at least one friend in who, your life who will say, hey, I love you. And we do this all the time. My girl, Cindy, and I, we do this all the time. Hey, I love you, but I'm about to tell you something that's just going to feel uncomfortable, but I need you to know it's coming from love. And um, she tells me, you've done this before and you realize what it did. What is the most important thing to preserve here? And I said, her love of learning, her opinion of herself, and the joy that she feels. I don't want her feeling something at such a young age that shouldn't even be there. And I know some of you right now, you're like, Amanda, are you talking about your daughter in preschool? Really? Preschool? Like, come on, this is so ridiculous. But this is the perfect example of where for me, I would say, oh, wait a second. This is reflective on me right? It's, that's the immediate thought. Like if I'm being honest, it's, this is reflective on me. I didn't do my job. I didn't do what I was supposed to. I didn't help her out. I didn't, you know, X, Y, Z. Let me go down the list of things that I can tear apart here that solely focus on the effect it has on me. But what changing our mindset says is how does this affect the tiny person in our life? Instead of making the whole situation about me, I could pause and say, this has nothing to do with me because it doesn't. Paige as an individual, as a person, as a human being might need different things that actually have nothing to do with me. Literally, absolutely nothing. And what I mean by that is if we can shift our thinking from saying, look how this is reflective on me as a parent in this situation, in this identity. And I can say, hey, 
Amanda, as a human being, this has nothing to do with you. Look at Paige. She's a person. How does this play into what she needs as a person long-term? How is this going to impact her long-term as a person? Not as your child, not as a student, and not as a part of your ego because she's your tiny person. How does this literally affect her? And how can you support her in this moment and give her what she needs as a person and not make it about you? See, I think this weird thing that I have, and it feels so foreign to a lot of people when I share it, which is why, honestly, y'all, if you have been on TikTok this week, you have seen some of the videos and comments I've been getting. People have been wiling out on me, okay? Like, I am talking about, like, insane comments. And for me, I've been back in therapy for months, y'all. I just look at it and I say to myself, I cannot carry your pain. I empathize with you. You are sitting in a place of pain. You are sitting in a place of probably past trauma. You are sitting in a place where maybe you feel unheard, but I cannot carry that for you. However, my mindset will not change because it makes people uncomfortable because it's different. And here's where I sit. I sit in this place of realizing that When you look at the parent-tiny person relationship, right? Let's just say parent-child relationship. When you look at that, that is solely based off of the fact that that is the person you have agreed to take care of. Basically, if you look up the term when everyone's like, be the parent, I'm like, have you ever actually looked at the definition of a parent? Like, it literally gives no insight. You know what? This calls for a Webster moment. We're going to have a Webster moment here. So, um, because like I can actually just like remember off the top of my head what definition of a parent, right? Okay, so we are going to use Webster because it is our friend. But basically, when you look up the word parent, it says be or act as a parent to a child, a father or a mother. Like literally, it says nothing. It's That's literally the most vague definition I've ever read in my entire life. I mean, I'm talking like vague, okay? And when you look up child, it says a human being Below the age of puberty. Hi, boo. Oh, this is Corey. Y'all didn't know you were going to get a cameo. I exited little mama out and downstairs to some Toy Story. Um, Because she (laughs) needed bullseye. Now, in normal podcast episodes, this would be edited. However, this is after hours, okay? And currently, I'm recording a podcast that's not after hours. They're all awake. Um, but here's the thing. When you look at the definition of a child, it just says a young human being below the age of puberty or below the legal age of majority. Like, I'm sorry, what? Miriam, Miriam, can we get, can we get another definition on that? A son or a daughter. But they also have below this like a usage of the word and it says an immature or irresponsible person. And I saw that and I was like immediately offended. I'm like, that is so rude. But when you look at parent-child, it's it's a very defining title. And and the parent one's super vague. And the child one just says like, oh, you're younger. You're young. So you're a child below the age of puberty. So it's defining of an age, not defining of a person. Let me say that one more time. The category which you are lumped into, child, teen, it is definitive of an age group, not a person, not feelings, not validity, not anything 
having to do with who they are as a human being. It literally just defines their age. But because of the way that things have been set up, parent carries with it a lot of other things and weight. And it says, you know what you're doing and you're in charge. And, for, you know, depending on who your parents were, there's a lot of other things that come with that. So this week when I posted a video and I said, if my kids don't do something the first time they ask them, I ask them, I don't make it a big deal usually. It's not something that's on my list of things that's going to be really um, earth shattering for me and dealing with them. I'm just going to figure out a different way and work with them and we're going to be collaborative. And oh my Lanta, oh the stitches. Y'all, there were some really cruel stitches to that. Um, and this one gentleman just straight called me out and told me like I was the problem with society and I wanted to be like, dude, I'm not trying for my kids to fit into society. Like newsflash. I'm trying to raise some empathetic, like empathetic, kind, um, humanized people. So when they get older and suddenly they're given a new title, right? Because, because here's the thing, the title that they're given that is so definitive of who they are and what we drop them into categorically is a generalization. The idea, oh my gosh, this happened so many times. And you know who actually posted about it? If you follow Looney, I love Sierra. Love Sierra. Love her as a mother. Love her and Jacob. Literally sway flawless. Like, mwah. Okay. But she posted, and she posted something super relevant this week. And it is the, exactly the same thing that people do when you have kids. When you have a two-year-old or something or a three-year-old and say they're having a meltdown, right? And they go, oh, just wait till they're a teen. I'm sorry, so just wait till they're 13 to 17? Why? Why, Donna? Why? Is, is something going to happen? Are you saying that this meltdown right now is indicative of who they'll be when they're 13 to 17? Oh, oh, I see. You're using the word teen, which is a generalization of age, and you're now telling me how they'll be as a person because of this moment of being unable to literally work through their emotions and process them properly. So you're, you're determining who they're going to be. Okay, cool. Thanks, Donna. Thank you. Thank you so much. And the thing is, is that I usually don't have that much attitude about it. But as I continue to share, I become more and more passionate about this idea of us not operating in this sense of an ego and us operating in this idea of being their person. Everyone's always like, parent or friend, parent or friend, who are you? And I'm like, I'm neither. I am a guide. I am a translator. I am their person. I am going to teach them how to be loved, kind, respectful. They're going to respect me because I teach them that's what we do with human beings. Respect should be regardless of your age. I'm sorry, my kids, I'm not going to be like, my child's super respectful of adults and I love that for them, but they slap kids on the playground because you know, that's kids. It's like, no, I want them to respect humans, human beings, just like I want them to respect animals. Just like I want them to, and this idea, again, getting into titles, this idea where everyone's like, oh, well, if you teach them how to be collaborative, how are they going to deal with authority? And if your name is Donna, I am so sorry. I love you so much. I'm just, this is literally the first name that popped into my head. But then I think to myself, okay, so because someone carries the title of authority, I should, I should teach them that this is not an area where you're allowed to have thoughts and feelings and questions. You just need to go with the flow full, okay? Because this is what you've been told. No, if you have a teacher, if you have a professor, if you have a babysitter, if you have a parent, and they are asking something of you like, hey, you need to get this assignment done. Okay, well, that's the requirement. That's what we're going to do, okay? But what I teach them outside of that is maybe that requirement is given and then maybe something comes up, maybe something in your life. It is okay for you as a person to go to that authority figure and say, hey, look, I'm struggling with this. Can I have some help with this? If not, do you have another solution for me? 
okay, and if I, and if that, and the teacher says, maybe the teacher shuts them down and they say, absolutely not. No, no page in London and Corey. No, you cannot have an extension on it. You need to deal with it. Well, then hopefully the tools that I have given them in how to process and how to fill will say, okay, I couldn't get that. What can I do? Where can I go to be problem solvers? I'm not teaching my children to be entitled a-holes. I'm teaching them to be empathetic problem solvers who see people for people regardless of age. The validity of somebody doesn't change. I mean, you know what's really sad? You, you want to know what really like comes to mind here? When you are at a certain age, you're relevant. And then when you get too old, like when you're in your 80s, it's like, oh, well, no, you're too old. You're slow. You can't get with it. So what? at what age do we lose relevance? At first, we don't have any relevance at all because we're too young, right? And then we get into a position of being, you know, a parent or not a parent or a certain age. And then we're super relevant because we somehow know what we're doing. And then we age out of relevance again. Have you ever thought about that? Like these, these older people that I see in the stores, I'm so depressed for. They're like walking around and they ask someone a question and people act like it is just literally, I mean, just a burden to tell them what aisle the Rolades is on, okay? Like, I'm sorry, if you had a tummy ache, you'd want to know where the Rolades are. Why? Because they're old and hard of hearing. Are you going to like shade them about it? No, ma'am, Rolades, let me walk you to the Rolades. Let me, let me show you empathy. Because I think if you teach a person empathy, you're automatically going to deal with somebody who is kind, right? You teach them empathy, but then you also flip side, ooh, be careful, teach them boundaries. So a person who can feel where you're at, where they can recognize that pain you have, but they can say, oh, at the end of the day, though, I can't carry it. I can offer you love and support and communication, but I cannot carry that for you. So I can't. So then that keeps them healthy. So they're loving on others and it keeps them healthy. You see, I think this idea of these titles that we fall into, that we generalize our kids by, instead of saying like, oh, my kids, you know, the three-nager thing. I have a three-year-old, Corey's three. And if I categorized her into this idea of being a three-nager, yeah, I could totally say girlfriend is a spicy, spicy caliente fireball, okay? She, she is popping off all the time, right? But I look at her and I say, she's three. If I just say you're a three-nager, I can write everything off as you being attitude, disrespect. But if I take away that title, and don't get me wrong, I love jokes about three-nagers. Okay, I think they're hilarious. I'm not saying you can't be funny about it. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is don't make that definitive of who they are. Don't make that the reason to be like, oh, they're a three-nager. I just, I don't even know what's going on. They're just having me. No, say like, okay, maybe they are a quote-unquote three-nager, but what's going on here? What's, what do we need to work on? What do you, what are you needing right now? What, where can we meet in the middle here? Which brings me back to how I got onto this rabbit trail, which is Paige and me being able to look at her and say, Hey, as a parent, I feel like I failed you, but you know what? This is not about me. Maybe I haven't failed you. Maybe you need different things and that's okay. And let's not make this about me. Let's say, how can I support you? So, you know, at the end of the day, that regardless of where life takes you, regardless of what you do, regardless of where you, you know, are incredibly like tops out successful or have opportunity and need a little extra assistance. Let's not make that definitive of you. Let's let you recognize now that everybody is different and that's what makes us cool. And that no matter where we go, that that doesn't carry with us a responsibility for other people's identity. Paige's academics and Paige's choices in life is not definitive of my identity. 
And if I make it definitive of my idea, my identity, I take away for her the ability to be her own person. And I make her more concerned with how things make me feel. And I will tell you, it's so hard. It is so hard. People ask me, oh, have you read these books? And No, do you know what I do? I'm just like self-reflective on myself as a person. And these things will come to you. When you step out of a situation and the title with which you carry, right? Older, whatever. And you look at that situation and you say, okay, oh, right. Okay, yeah. If that was me, ooh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And when you just see how often your ego is involved, even in friendships, even in relationships. I'm in therapy right now. Y'all know I'm back in therapy. We're working it out. And I had this like epiphany during the EMDR session this week. And I went to Blake and I was like, oh my gosh, dude, you have been carrying a lot of responsibility for something that's not on you. And I am really sorry. I am really sorry that that part of me that is healing and that part of me that is trauma made put you in a position that you're not even capable of taking care of and shouldn't be. I'm sorry that I made that a part of who you were and my satisfaction because it's not. That's not on you. But can I ask you for your support and love? Yeah, of course. And I mean, of course he was like, yes. I mean, Blake is, oh gosh, he's like a really good person, you guys. I'm very grateful for him because I am a sporadic, as you know, individual. And I am grateful I found someone that can like roll with that because you need some. My mom used to say there's a lid for every pot. And there's a pot for every lid. And it is absolutely the truth. But here's the thing. When I talk about the ego of things, I'm hoping that by us realizing that when those tiny people join your lives, because all of them come as tiny people, which is why I refer to them as that, we can see them as people. When they come out, without a, without any information, none in the whole wide world. And they need somebody to advocate for them and be their guide. Well, I'm hoping that's us. I'm hoping that we don't come out and say, oh, you're just this way because you're this way, right? This is the age you're in. And I will tell you what, let me tell you though, let me tell you what, those apps are helpful with sleep regression. Those like leap, what is it called? It's like leap years or leap something really helped me when I knew my girls were having like a growing period with their brain when I'd be like, why are they like literally flipping out on me? What am I doing? Like, I don't know. She's screaming. And then I would look and I'd be like, oh, it's a leap, it's a leap. Okay, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Like it's a leap, she's developing. But the reason that app was so helpful was because it was dedicated to where she was, not who I was. It said, Amanda, realize this has nothing to do with you. Girlfriend's growing. When your kid's having a meltdown, that doesn't mean you're a terrible parent. It just means that like we need to teach them better tools and we can help them out, right? We can help them help themselves. It also means that they're like developing. It's, it's funny to me that we get into this stage where it's such a knee-jerk reaction. And I think this is with teens too. And I have such a love for that age group, teens and college. I swear I say this all the time. I just want to squeeze every single one of them and give them a hug and be like, I see you. I just want to tell them all they're seeing. I just want to look at them. And honestly, how many of us in our inner child that have, that is like traumatized, want someone to walk up to us, hug us with that hug that, you know, lasts longer than 10 seconds and almost gets uncomfortable. And then look you dead in the eyes and be like, I see you. Oh my gosh. Like I can't, I can't even that like, 
to be seen and feel seen is so important. But so often in the teenagers, when they're going through puberty and they're trying to figure out their life because everyone has told them they have to have it together by 18 to get into college and academics is drowning them and, and they're being told like, this is my house, not yours, which can feel completely displacing. This is my, imagine, imagine in an argument, like imagine you're in an argument with like a spouse and they look at you and they're like, this is my house, not yours. Um, talk about feeling displaced in your own house. Like if, if, if someone said that in a relationship, I'd be like, yeah, it is your house. Not mine. Bye. (laughs) See you later, alligator. Okay. If we looked at someone in our life that was another adult and we said to them, as they're telling us what's going on in their life, you think you're stressed. Your job is nothing compared to mine. You would not have that friend for long. Uh, Because they'd be like, wow, you're an insensitive dick. (laughs) I mean, they really would, though. And if you went out to dinner and the person you went out to dinner with ordered for you and was like, enjoy this. And you're like, oh, I I don't actually, I don't like pasta. I'm, I have celiacs. I'll get sick. And they're like, yeah, no, don't worry about it. It's going to be delicious. Go ahead and eat it. Um, you know what though? I, why well, will have the, um, I'll have the salad. And you're like, what? And like, yeah, I'll have the salad. And they're like, no, you need to eat it. Cause it's what I ordered for you. I mean, right. The words we say carry so much weight. But why do we say those words in the first place? Because it's default setting. Um, Because we have been told that these are the teenagers. I don't even have teenagers. I don't even know what that's like to navigate that. I wouldn't pretend to have any information, any insight, right, into what that looks like. But do you know one thing that I do have that I feel really comfortable with? A comfort with saying I'm wrong. A desire to learn an enjoyment of watching my kids be people and an empathy for where anybody is. It's why when people send me really nasty comments, which they do lately, oh my goodness, so many nasty comments. I don't let it eat me up because I realize it's not about me. It's not about me. And when we take our kids, when they get to a certain age and we lump them into this category and we go, oh, it's a teen. Oh, you're a teen. Oh, you're a teen. Oh, you're a teen. Oh, you're a teen. And we just write that off, right? Or, oh, you're a child. Oh, you're a child. You don't know, right? And then we're like, you know what? You know, okay, this is my perfect. This is like one of my favorite examples that I use a lot. Your kid gets into trouble at school, right? And you're like, why did you do what Bobby did? And they're like, well, I didn't. Well, if Bobby jumped at my mom, used to say all the time, well, well, if so-and-so jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge, would you do it? And I'm like, well, no, but there was a lot of pressure in this situation. No, 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 no. You should have known better. You should have said something. You should have stood up. But every other area of the life that we teach is don't talk back. No, I don't need that in your opinion. You know nothing. You're not as old as I am. I know more than you. Therefore, I am more valid. So when they get into these peer situations with kids that are possibly more popular, right? Because popularity is a social level. Okay, it's just like age. There are levels to it. Okay, and I've been there for it. And anyone that doesn't want to say it, please please. Popularity and clicks and peer pressure, it is absolutely can be crippling. I've been there and I've done some pretty dumb blankety blank blank, if you know what I mean, because of that. 
And we teach our kids that you submit to the people that are in power and you just go along. And so when they get into that situ situation of peer pressure, where is their self-confidence to walk away? Their confidence in themselves and their decision-making skills. Where is the confidence? That, well, it's not there because they have not been allowed to have it in other areas of our life. And no, I'm not saying that you're responsible for every decision a child ever makes and that it's totally on your parenting and you carry the weight of the world and good luck because there's so much that you're not doing right. It's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you actually don't need any parenting books. I'm saying all you need to do is look for empathy in every situation for them as a person outside of you. And it's, it's, it's a mind check. It's a mind warp because London will be doing something and I will literally be talking to her in autopilot. And then I will stop and I will look and I will say, I will tell myself, recognize her. And then I will say, I will say that to myself mentally, okay? And it's something I'm working on. And then I will see where I can meet her as a person, what she needs from that situation. See, because the ego setting with parenting, it's default. It comes with the title. You're in charge. You know more. You know, you, you've been there before, right? But your kids aren't you. They may not make the same decisions as you. Unfortunately, they may make some of the same ones. But the point is that if they do make the same ones, that you're there to help them because you can empathize, right? Imagine if every time you made a mistake at work, your boss was like, well, you should have known better. What are you even thinking? And you're like, well, I, I don't know. It was my first time. Like, yeah, well, I counted the cash like that too, okay? I counted the cash like that too. And um, I made that mistake and you should have known better, okay? Because I told you not to count it that way. And it's like, oh, instead of being like, hey, I noticed you counted the cash the wrong way. I've, I've been there too. I know the situation might be different, but can, can I help you? What, what can we work out? See, because it's not all about being in charge. It's really easy to raise tiny individuals that do what you say when you say it. You just create an environment of complete control, like dab in, dab in a little bit of fear, dab in, sprinkle some disappointment and stuff like that. And you can have someone who operates as you need them to but who you will never know because when they get the chance, because they live in a house that's not, that's yours and not theirs, they will want a house of their own that belongs to solely them where they can make the rules for them because they never had an option outside of that. See, people always want to tell me when I tell my kids, when I tell people that I give my kids an option with stuff, they say, well, safety. They always go to safety. I'm like, do you really think I'm going to let my kid run in front of a car? Like, come on, Donna. No, I'm not. My kid's not going to run in front of a car. But do you know what they never think about? Here's the thing they never think about. And this is what I, I always think about. Like, this is like in the back of my mind. You teach fear, fear-based reaction, right? You run into that street. I swear I'm going to smack you, right? You run, you, and that's safety. I will hit you so you know I need you to be safe. Okay, first off, that thinking is absolutely insane to me. You're going to hit someone to teach them to be safe. Like, what? Anyways, we've already done an episode on spanking. Moving on. But here's what might happen, right? We don't explain why not to run into the street. It's in a because I said so environment cause reaction. You run into the street because I told you not to, because I said so, I told you not to, you're going to get spanked. There's cause and effect, okay? So there's no real understanding of, okay, you can tell them, oh, you could get hit by a car. I need you to understand that. Bam right? But with learning and with the explanation and saying, hey, look, I know you want to run into the street. Here's why we don't want to do that, okay? You see these cars, you see this, you see, okay, so you can't do that. So if the ball goes in the street, gotta let the ball go. 
don't worry. I'm more concerned about you. I will. I don't care about the ball. I don't care about that. Let the ball go. Let the car run over it. Let it break the Frisbee, whatever it have you be, okay? And here, that has an explanation. That has a reason. Oh, mom wants to keep me safe. Dad wants to keep me safe. They don't care about me ruining something we own. They would rather me be safe. I can let it go. I don't have to have the fear of, oh my gosh, they're going to find out what happened, right? They don't have the fear there. But say one day they're outside and they're like, why is this dumb rule here? Like, oh, because I said so. Yeah. Okay, mom. Well, I'm responsible enough. I can do what I need to do. Right. And then out of a rebellious nature, and no, I'm not saying this has happened. This is extreme example. Okay. But out of a rebellious nature, they're like, forget you. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what I want. And they do what they want. Oh, hello. Um, anyways, what I'm saying to that is the reason I'm collaborative is because I think there can be reasoning for stuff. And yes, there are moments when you're just like, I am tired and out of answers. I need you to trust me on this. And I think that later in life, doing that for them and teaching them, I'm so popular, you guys. You hear those text messages? It's my family group text. It's not <laughs> pretending like I have people blowing me up. Um, It's not about the control of it. It's about being collaborative so I can give them actual answers. And they can have understanding of the situation so they know. And then on the flip side of that, they trust me as we go. I trust them. We build that trust together. So that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Remember that when the title of parent comes, there is no rule book. And when that tiny person that's a child comes into your life, they are a first and only addition just like you are. First and only addition. So yes, there may be similarities. Just like there's a lot of blonde jokes and sometimes I act like a blonde, right? Sometimes it's like, well, Amanda, where were you on that one? But it doesn't mean that it is exactly the same. And when you take your ego out of the situation and realize that they're building their life and you're a part of it and you're helping them build, it, it's not reflective on you. And what also happens is that when you deal with mom guilt, right? Because mom is an ever, ever arching title. And we'll talk about this next episode. We're going to talk about mom guilt. When you're allowed to remove yourself from that title and you see them as a person and they see you as a person, you can say, hey, you know how you like to go to your little swim parties with your friends or you like to go to the park with your friends and you want to play with just them and mommy sits there and lets you play and that's fun for you? They say, oh yeah, you can say, Mom is going to go with her friends to her park and she's going to do that because that makes mommy really happy. And I want us to be happy and I want us to feel fulfilled. And even though it feels really hard when you do it, the more you do that and you take off that title and you take off their title, you can humanize yourself to yourself and you can have empathy for yourself. So anyways. We're going to wrap up this episode. I hope that it was fun to hang out. I hope you grabbed a Coke, went on a walk. Mm. Whatever you did, I hope it stuck with you. But if you take anything with you today, remember that a title that defines an age is not definitive of a person. One bad day doesn't make a bad mom. One meltdown doesn't make a tyrant. And having absolutely no idea what you're doing is a great place to be because you can sit in an area of learning 
a learning of empathy because you have to have empathy for yourself and others. And two words, I'm sorry, are the most powerful thing on this entire world. So if no one has told you lately, well, I'm going to say it. I love you. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it today. I love you. I see you. You matter. You are valuable. You have exponential and absolutely freaking limitless potential. You are a first, only, and limited edition. And don't let anyone ever tell you different. Ever. And when your inside mental voice tells you different, tell them to be quiet because they have no idea what they're talking about. They're full of it anyways. I hope you have a fabulous day. I am so grateful that you're here. And if you listen to it, tag me. You know I love to see when you're listening. Tag it, share it if you find it helpful. And if it's something that you think someone could be encouraged by, please send it their way because that is my goal with every episode. That is all. And I will see you on the flippity flip.